Thanks to FreshBooks for supporting the Apple Bits XL. Join the 24 million people who've used FreshBooks. Try it for free for 30 days. No catch, no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash applebits and enter applebits in the how did you hear about us section to get started. All right, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian's on here, your host, holding it down with the most. It is episode 109. This show is everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. And guess what? Just to get perspective, we talk about products and companies doing things related to Apple in the mobile space. Obviously, Samsung just dropped a bomb this week at their Unpacked event, which was actually a lot of it was leaked out. But we're going to talk about that stuff I'm going to tell you, I've been traveling all over, going back to the San Francisco, coming back to LA, going to San Francisco, come back to LA. If any of you follow me on social media after Samsung Unpacked, I went right back out to Milwaukee to do a cool segment with, if you love the NBA, the Greek freak, Giannis Atenacumpo and his brother Thanasis. That was really fun. And I finally got back. So this podcast is coming out just a little later because I've just been on the go and grinding. But... You want to be a part of the show, you know how to do it. Call in applebitshow at gmail.com, applebits with a Z, applebitshow at gmail.com. Tell me where you're from, what do you want to talk about, good, bad, comments, reactions, criticisms. We take it all because really that's how you become a part of the show. We have calls that I finally was was able to put in because last week we did this really in-depth show about how the Apple Watch is evolving into this Really important health tool, um, thanks to Doc Knock. So if you haven't checked that out, go check out last week's episode. Also, I would love your support at patreon.com slash Tong. That's the way that you can actually financially sponsor and support this show. Starting at $2 a month, it goes up to $5, $10, $25, It supports all of my independent content, and I do still honestly need your help. And what I really appreciate is I'm giving you something of value, and hopefully if you see that there's value in return, a month is like a cup of coffee. We have different levels. You get different rewards at different levels and then early access to my content plus a completely ad-free version of the show. That's what you get when you support this. So again, starting at $2 a month, it is patreon.com slash Brian Tong. All right, let's get to the show. Not a lot of big earth-shaking Apple news, but the biggest thing that really shook the mobile industry was Samsung Unpacked that happened in San Francisco over at the Palace of Fine Arts, and I was lucky enough to be able to go there. I was also honestly lucky enough to get invited to the Samsung preview event, so I got some extended hands-on time, at least with the S20 family, did some videos on that, the new Galaxy Buds Plus, which is their kind of next generation of wireless earbuds. But there's the big thing that stuck out to me, starting at 2020 and what Samsung did, is how they are coming hard for Apple. Now, their family devices, I'm not going to get into all the nitty-gritty details because I think those of you that care already know all this stuff. Um, review units for the S20 family are coming, but they start. They went off with three models of their flagship phone family, the S20 with a 6.2-inch screen, the S20 Plus with a 6.7-inch screen, and then the S20 Ultra with a 6.9-inch AMOLED display. Now, we already know that Apple themselves is expected to potentially release five phones of their own this year, right? We have the, whatever, the rumored iPhone SE2 coming out 4.7 inches, and then 
the variety of the OLED display iPhones, three different sizes, four different models. We've talked about it a lot. So what I took away from the Samsung event is that they're setting the benchmark really high out of the gates for a phone, specifically with their camera specs, which are amazing. We know that all these five these phones are going to be 5G supported, but they showed off this new feature called Space Zoom. And yes, you can brag with this huge number called 100x Zoom. And the reality to me is right when I use it, I'm like, okay, no one's going to really zoom in 100x, but it is available. I think they're probably going to zoom in maybe 30x and really get some great benefits from that. But the biggest takeaway is their camera patch. Larger than the iPhone 11 Pros, it's probably about 50% larger. But what they did is they laid their camera optics down horizontally, kind of flat, like a periscope. And so the image, because they're able to have that longer space for the lens, they're able to get a 10x true optical zoom on their camera. 10x is huge. That is a big deal, right? Right now, the iPhone 11 Pro, uh, the, the optical zoom, the true optical zoom is 2x. And that doesn't really make a difference. Now, we always obviously have digital zoom that plays into this. The the Samsung S20 Ultra, their flagship phone, the only one that has this space zoom feature, then uses a AI digital zoom that multiplies that by a factor of 10 to get to this 100x zoom. So you can scroll it all the way up. It's really crazy to, you keep on scrolling your finger up and up and up. And it keeps on getting closer and closer and closer. And yes, it does break, the image does break down eventually, but it is still really impressive. So you have these 5G phones, you have this amazing camera. The other thing video-wise, and I can't wait to test this out and see just how good it looks, 8K video recording at 24 frames per second at its highest level, and then instant upload through the YouTube app. Just native right off the phone. So I, when I looked at all these specs, as a creator, this is really, really exciting. And will it tip the scales for people jumping over to ecosystems, I really think we're at the point that the ecosystems are locked in. But they really, really, really came out strong with this S20 family. So I was impressed. Now, they start at $999 the, for the uh, 6.2-inch model, which is pretty much where Apple starts their models. The highest end model of their phone hits $1399. And that makes me wonder, now that we have seen that pricing, right? people kind of set the precedent precedent will apple whatever their high-end model of phone is whatever their 5g phone is whatever camera specs and features they have will that hit as a starting price before we're talking about storage capacities 1399 we're getting there we're absolutely getting there so those phones look great and if you're someone i know there's people that aren't in the apple ecosystem or that have some apple products and have some other you know android products or windows products all types of products that listen to the show though that that is an impressive lineup but then what threw me for a loop and really got me the most excited and just an advancement of technology and honestly one of the more polarizing products the samsung z flip i think this thing is beautiful i think this thing is awesome this is their 6.7 inch true flip phone that uses a flexible glass. It's not a plastic screen like everything else we've seen. A flexible, bendable glass for a flip phone. And I got a lot of comments because I really 
I'm really high on this device, and I'll tell you why. But a lot of comments were like, oh, no one's going to care about this. No one's going to use this. But to me, this is just from a standpoint of innovation of how we're going to see these things get slimmer and how we're going to see glass that is bendable like this to get it in this form factor evolve. This is this to me is the best Samsung product that I've ever seen start to finish with the most polish that is also one of the most innovative products of its time. You know, they learned a whole lot from the Galaxy Fold. The Fold came out, it had issues right out of the gate, it had a plastic screen, the hinge was all screwed up. This Z Flip hinge feels amazing. It is solid, it is not floppy. The Motorola Razor, which everyone was getting excited about, is getting murdered in reviews because of just how weak and floppy it is. This this Galaxy Z Flip comes with 12 megapixel cameras with up to an 8x digital zoom, but it comes with a ultra-wide camera, a regular wide camera, a 10 megapixel front-facing camera. The actual, you can bend this flip phone 90 degrees. It actually has like a functional purpose. You can rest it on a table to take photos. You can, uh, you know, wave your hands to, to set off the selfie camera. You can Look at content just resting on it. It's it was it's one of the most well thought out products from Samsung. Arguably the best one that I've like everything from the UI to the design. I'm high on this. And then people go, I don't care. I'm not going to use that. Oh, it's foldable, bendable glass. It's going to break. I I think it's an amazing product. And you think about this getting thinner. And I hate it when people say, Oh, well, I'll wait for it when Apple makes it. Well, guess what? Apple doesn't make it yet. Apple might not come out with a foldable device in at least two to three years. I, we'll see what, how flexible and how thin their, the Gorilla Glass relationship that they have if it comes into play, but this is a special, special device for a tech fan. I think part of me, though, has to take a step back and realize that maybe because I'm from the earlier generation that enjoyed the Razer phone, it does bring back this, it bridges this world of nostalgia that connects older phones to what phones do today, where I think the younger generation that never that heard about the Motorola flip phone looks at this and says, this is crap. Why would I use it? But I, I think maybe for some of us, quote unquote, old school heads, we love this. We love the idea of this phone. And not only the idea, once you hold it and use it, I'm like, damn. So I'll be honest with you. I went to the Galaxy store to pick one up. I'm going to do a full in-depth review. It is the most exciting phone of the year. I know it's only, what, February? But to me, when I think of the landscape and what Apple can do, because Apple's gonna, you know, again, we know that Apple gets that polish. They get everything really, you know, nice and ready to roll. 5G will be in their phones. You know, we will see if they move to USB-C. We'll see what cameras they load into that phone. It's gonna be great for the ecosystem. But as a but as from an innovation standpoint, the Galaxy Z Flip is the most innovative phone of the year that's actually polished and is a product that I put down money for to try out. It's thir- it's $1,380 most likely, to be real with you. I'm going to return it when I'm done reviewing it because, but if it's good enough for me to keep, I mean, maybe I use it for a month and just give it a go. I'm honestly, I'm honest about it. this is, this is a, I saw it, I held it for like, or messed around with it for about 45 minutes. This is an amazing phone. So it just makes me wonder, what can Apple do to top it? And the answer is, they aren't. But then the answer is that it doesn't matter because they have the power of the ecosystem behind them. When I look at the Z Flip and these foldable phones, 
it starts getting me crazy and excited because this is what Apple is sitting on. This is a gold mine that Apple is sitting on that they just have to flip the switch. Now, I've complained about how the iPad OS just doesn't do enough, right? Well, look, if Apple decided to come out with some type of folding device of their own, you could see just like the Samsung Fold, when it's opened, it could be an iPad OS. When it's closed halfway, it could be an iPhone OS. Something like this Galaxy Z Flip, when it's open, it can be the iPhone S. When it's closed, would it be like, I don't think a watch OS works as well on a, on a closed device, but could it? Could it make sense? So, you know, Apple's software is in place to play with these new form factors. It just comes down to when will they ever do it? Because this whole idea of them doing any type of hybrid tablet that competes with the Surface that's gone out of the window. They're not, they haven't touched that in what now, five years? And you might've thought they would've come out with something by that time, but they just haven't. So to me, like I said, if you saw my favorite uh, or what to really expect from Apple and what my number one thing that I was excited about the most from Apple this year is not necessarily the phone, it's the AirTags. Cause I think that is affordable for everyone. We're going to still get the 2020 iPhone is still, you know, compared to the 2019 iPhone is the one that takes that next leap in technology for the Apple ecosystem. Samsung just killed it this year with what they announced. So we'll see when it all comes to play. The Z Flip is available now, but in limited quantities. How limited? I went to the Samsung Galaxy store in Glendale. There's only, I think, like two in the U.S. They're like big flagship stores. I think one in New York and one in uh, Glendale, California, down south. And there were five units available for sale. Best Buy had an online sale as well for pickup. So, but they they had probably more units than the actual Samsung store. So we talk about Apple kind of bringing, rolling out this new technology and catching up. According to a report from Fast Company, Apple's designing their own 5G iPhone antenna module in-house after being dissatisfied with Qualcomm's version. Now we know this is not the Qualcomm modem, Qualcomm's modem itself will be in the Apple iPhones for 5G. We've talked about on the show how they struck a deal. Their technology will go in there. Later on, Apple acquired Intel for their knowledge. And we know that Apple is clearly working on their own type of chip. But here, they're going directly to their own antenna module because they didn't like the design of what's called the QTM525 5G millimeter wave antenna module that Qualcomm offered because according to the report, it doesn't fit into the sleek industrial design Apple wants for their new iPhone. So are we talking about a thinner iPhone? An even thinner iPhone? Don't make the, look, Apple, if you learn one thing, don't make the iPhone thinner. The battery on the 11 Pro is awesome. Don't change that. And I'm sure with 5G, it's going to use up more of that battery this time around, right? We Maybe we don't even gain an hour. Maybe we, maybe we lose an hour if they just keep the same battery and throw in a 5G modem. So again, Qualcomm will still provide the modem chip, but the antenna will be developed by Apple. We know that Apple is working on a backup because they always have to plan for different contingencies. So they're, according to this report, they're also working on another design that uses both the Qualcomm modem and the Qualcomm antenna as a backup, but they don't ideally they don't want that backup because they want their own millimeter wave antenna module that is smaller to fit. Now, if you remember, let's rewind a little bit when Apple dealt with antennas, antennae, (laughs) the iPhone 4, 
had its own antenna design. And remember, it dropped it dropped calls. That was the that was the whole <laughs> Steve Jobs. You're holding it wrong. They even then rolled out a plan where they allowed everyone to basically get a case for free that was like around thirty dollars to put on their iPhone four. Remember that? Like you, if you you literally squeezed it really hard at the top, and you would see your antenna signal de- decrease. So. Not that I just make sure it works this time. I don't I don't want to see Antennagate part two. I do not want to see that. So that that's the latest report, at least with Apple's antennas. It doesn't sound like it's gonna be delaying the phones anytime soon, but we are expecting to see multiple 5G capable phones in 2020 using Qualcomm's X55 5G modem chip. So and that that is that's exciting for Apple users. I, I still say Look, having 5G is awesome. It's exciting. We still have to see how it plays out. A lot of people continue to complain, like, look, what's the environmental impacts? Overseas, when they were testing it, like, birds were dying and things. Like, is it going to fry your brain? Um, I guess time will tell. I'll let you know if my brain gets fried. But the reality is that 5G still is not even remotely prevalent where we can get it, right? Millimeter wave, there's, like, two major flavors of 5G Millimeter wave, which typically is better in dense areas like urban city areas, but as testing has shown, it works best when you're in a direct line of sight of it. That's where you really get the benefits of 5G, but if you're not in direct, like sitting underneath the antenna, you're not going to really get those great speeds yet. And then sub-6 gigahertz is the second flavor of 5G that pretty much covers more open areas. You could consider it more rural areas, and then beyond that, to fill in the gaps They'll use 5G LTE, sorry, 4G LTE. So 5G has the millimeter wave and sub six gigahertz flavors. And then to fill out all those pockets that they can't cover, 4G LTE, which obviously exists today, will do the rest of it. Now, Digitimes is claiming that the 5G iPad Pro models with the A14 series chip that will launch this fall, expected to launch this fall in 2020. So earlier, we talked about maybe we'll see the iPad Pros come out early last year. We expected to see them announce they didn't. That would actually put the iPad Pro on a two-year break before releasing a new model. I think quite honestly, if they are integrating 5G into them, it makes sense. Would they release a non-5G model first earlier in the year and then a 5G model later? I think it's smart to just release them all at once. So Digitimes believes that both the iPhone and iPad Pro models will likely be announced together in September. But I did make the argument a while ago that when they first announced the LTE models of the iPad, that came before the LTE models of the iPhone. But the target date, although rumors have been saying iPad Pro lineup in March, this reporter says, hold up, skirt! Coming in fall, also likely with an A14X chip, the one that's specifically made for the iPad Pro. This report coming out doesn't make sense to me. I think it's hogwash. But hey, it's out there. Another Digitimes report, hit or miss, they, they tend to be at least on trend with things. Mentioned kind of like as a side note that along with the iPad, Apple Watch, and iMac models expected to getting refreshes we would see um, AirPod Pro Lite. 
They mention it in the report. Okay. What, what the AirPod Pro Lite are the AirPods to me. I mean, they have, they don't, what is the, this would be stupid. Is the AirPod Pro Lite the AirPod Pro form factor without the noise canceling? <laughs> is that, is that what it would be? And without the, the waterproof would be the same. They just already built that out. That's just dumb. So I think this is totally, I think this is totally bogus. The idea of them even doing this, they should just blow it up. They should not do AirPod Pro Lite. Uh, yeah, how about a, I would like an iPhone 11 Pro Lite. Jeez, stupid. That is just a stupid, stupid report. All right, this episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. Do you remember when you started your small business? Because I sure do. Even though I'm, what, over a year and a half in, I still feel like I'm starting it up at times. Just the hustle is real. And it was no small feat. You know, it took a lot of late nights. I know it takes a lot of late nights for you all, early mornings, and then more than the occasional all-nighter. So bottom line, you've been insanely busy ever since. So why not make things a little easier? Well, we've got our friends at FreshBooks that have the solution. FreshBooks invoicing and accounting software is designed specifically for small business owners. It's simple, intuitive, and keeps you way more organized than a dusty shoebox filled with crumpled receipts. I hope you don't have that. Now create and send professional looking invoices in 30 seconds and then get them paid two times faster with automated online payments. See when clients review your invoices with the FreshBooks notification center. Then you can easily create custom invoices that have your logo and reflect your brand colors. Just give them a nice little personalization to make them look all nice and fancy. File expenses even quicker. Keep them perfectly organized for tax time. And the best part, FreshBooks grows alongside your business. So you'll always have the tools you need when you need them without ever having to learn the ins and outs of accounting. Join the 24 million people who've used FreshBooks. Try it free for 30 days. No catch and no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash applebits and enter applebits with a Z in the how did you hear about us section to get started today. All right, let's get to a few more stories before we get to our calls. I feel like I, you know what? I think I'm going to work on making a video on the roadmap, roadmap that Apple needs to adopt to turn things around for the HomePod and their smart home. A recent report from Strategy Analytics just came out and said that Apple's HomePod places sixth in global smart speaker market share in the fourth quarter of 2019. Apple shipped an estimated 2.6 million HomePods. Hey, Apple shipped an estimated 2.6 million HomePods. No. Home pods during the fourth quarter of 2019, it earned 4.7% of the smart speaker market. Now, they were sixth worldwide vendors above them Amazon at 15.8 million units shipped, Google second at 13.9, Baidu 5.9, Alibaba 5.5, Xiaomi 4.7. That's the estimated millions of units that were shipped from them. Apple at 2.6. That's got to hurt. Apple's HomePod priced at 299 in the US. There it's rumored been rumored for a long time that they've been working on a lower cost version. Um something tells me lower cost version to them is 199 and hopefully we'll see that 
HomePod release sometime in 2020. They need a mini, a HomePod mini. Let's just, I know Apple people love their HomePods. The thing is that the biggest upsell for Apple is that the HomePod really sounds great. It sounds amazing. So if they make a smaller one, there is no way that they'll be able to have it sound as good. That is the biggest reason where I would tell people, look, if you really want a HomePod and you can find a great deal on it, if it's refurbished even, if it's $199, buy it. It's an amazing sounding speaker that is our go-to in my apartment. I never, I bought it because I was like, okay, I hope this thing evolves. It's got to get better. I bought it when it was refurb for less than $200. It was some like random limited time. It was almost like a month or two after it came out. That's how bad it was. Is a refurb from Best Buy. That's how much they wanted to get rid of these things. It still sounds great. It's added a few new features, but its biggest attribute is it sounds great. And it's part of the Apple ecosystem where you can say play music to it. But if it doesn't sound as good, that's the basic, that's the biggest selling point. So they've really got to figure this out. I am, I, you know what? I am now inspired. I'm going to make that video of how they can really turn it around. There's like four or five key things in my mind, that they can do, and I've talked about it a lot. Also, Apple Pay could account for 10% of global card transactions by 2025 and even rival PayPal. That is how much Apple Pay has continued to grow. We've seen it more and more on point-of-sale displays. I'll tell you, when I went to the Galaxy store to buy a Z Flip for review, the little green light, even though it didn't have the outright Apple Pay logo on it, There's like little light indicator. I could have used Apple Pay on it if I wanted to. It's just, it's like on the low, on the low key. It's on the low, low. So the data from Quartz reports that it currently counts for about 5% of global transactions. But if the growth trend continues, it may well become a long-term competitive threat to PayPal getting up to 10% high. So it's taken some time. Look, again, I traveled to Japan in 2000 and five, and you could already use your phone as a wallet. Think about that. Okay, that's how far behind we are. But Apple Pay, 10% worldwide, congratulations. Also, if you're looking for a new 16-inch MacBook Pro, Apple is starting to begin selling certified refurbished models. I'm telling you, the refurbs are a great deal, a great deal because they are covered under the same warranty, the bodies are replaced. They're they're a great deal if you're looking to just you know try and get some of that cream of the creme de la creme stuff, but you don't want to pay those prices. Everything that I've every experience that I've had with buying refurbished products directly from Apple historically has been great. So right now they have some of the 16 inch MacBook Pro models, and they are also packaged with the 96 watt USB C power adapter and the USB C cable in the box. It's just like what you'd expect. So. Check it out. Might be worth it for you if you were kind of thinking about that, but you didn't want to, you know, it's still expensive. Don't get me wrong. But the refurb models simply cut a few hundred dollars off of the price and are just as good um, support-wise as getting a new one. If you're wondering what's going on with your Apple products, if they're going to be delayed or anything by coronavirus, there are no indications that that's happening yet. One report says that Mac Pro, the actual towers, the shipping dates are slipping. It's taking a lot longer for them to arrive. There's not much movement. They aren't. Apple isn't attributing it to coronavirus at all. But Apple stores in Beijing are now screening customers for fever amid the coronavirus 
outbreak. So they reopened their five retail stores in the Beijing area today. If you recall, they actually shut down some of their stores for about a week or so. But Apple employees can be seen checking the body temperatures of customers as they enter the store for signs of fever. They're also limiting the number of customers allowed in the store at once. I guess that's one way to reduce crowds. That's just, yeah, that that just sounds horrible. And this is not to make light of coronavirus. It just sounds horrible. Like that that they have to do that just to keep the stores open. Maybe they should just keep them closed for a little bit. That doesn't, just, just keep it shut down. But there's also other bigger problems that Apple has to deal with uh, with retail. And if if you don't know that I actually worked at the second Apple retail store, it was the Palto, Palo Alto store. It was Steve Jobs' store. He would come in and swing by. And I'll tell you what's going on now. I saw every day. California court says Apple must pay retail workers for time spent waiting on bag searches. Now, why is this important? Well, the Supreme Court in California made a decision. There was a class action lawsuit against Apple that it was dated back to 2013, where employees and retail workers filed it against Apple saying that they were required to submit to search before leaving for the day. So what happens is because there's so many Apple products, the employees also own Apple products. They would have to search your bags and purses and your backpacks, whatever you have for your personal device to make sure that you didn't take anything. And yeah, trust me, in retail shops, there is shady stuff that happens even from the employees. None that I saw. Yeah, I know of some, but none that I saw. So here's the thing. You may be done with your shift, but then you're required to wait for a manager to check you out and look in your bag. So what does that mean? Sometimes you're hanging around for five minutes. Sometimes you're hanging around for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. There are times where the stores were so damn busy, like it took a while and you're just like, I'm just waiting for this bag check. Other times it's fast. But there are times where it took longer, okay? Well, according to this class action lawsuit, some employees said they were forced to wait as long as 45 minutes and would not be paid for any of that time. I would say it wouldn't surprise me that it would take longer than during my time because now these days, an Apple store is a freaking zoo, especially on the weekends. Managers are dealing with customer service issues the management team is, they have multiple managers on duty at different levels. I could actually see it being longer than a five, 10 minute wait and they're not being paid for it. So California judge dismissed the class action lawsuit. That decision was back in 2015. That decision was appealed. And now the California Supreme Court has ruled in favor of the workers that Apple violated state law when they didn't pay for the time spent waiting on mandatory searches at the end of shifts. Do I need a... Do I need to make up an old school time card and file that in? The ruling is retroactive, which means Apple could be on the hook for millions of dollars in unpaid employee wages. The case will now return to the Ninth Circuit where federal judges will apply the interpretation of state law. I got to get my man Gil Cabrera in on this next week. Uh, it's I'm recording this later at night because, you know, I've been traveling a whole lot, but I wanted to get you guys out the podcast in time for the weekend. So Gil, G-Money, guess what? I'm going to be calling you soon. So that's what's going on there. All right, you know what? Let's get to the calls to be a part of the show. All you got to do, record a voice memo with whatever voice memo app you have, whether it's on your Apple device, your Android device, or your Motorola Razor $1,500 flip phone. Actually, I'd like that. Email it to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. 
So let's start off with our first call from my man, Jalen. Hey, Brian. This is Jalen from New York. And I have a quick question on the S20 and the Z Flip. I was just wondering, how did Samsung make such a thin piece of glass and be able to fold it on their Z Flip? Yeah, I've been wondering this question since the event, and I've been really confused on how they do it. So, can you please explain to me? Thank you, and keep up with the hard work. I really enjoy this podcast and your YouTube channel, so thank you. Okay, peace. All right, Jalen, thanks so much for calling in. Uh, first of all, was that a piano playing in the background? Was that either a sibling practicing, or were you at a mall at a store that has a piano that was playing? I would like to know that. You can you can follow up and let me know that. Really important stuff. So, Jalen, this is fascinating. And you know what? I think what I heard in your voice was a little almost a concern. It's like, why isn't Apple doing this? Like, why why is Samsung doing this, and why is Apple not doing it? And that's why I'm excited about this phone because it's all about the innovation. If you love tech, you love innovation, this thing is an amazing feat. Now, bendable glass is not completely new. We've seen different types of concepts of bendable glass at CES. Uh, People were showing curved glass concepts like that you could roll glass with displays in them. You could, uh, or sorry, rollable displays. That wasn't even glass. But other things like wristbands, an entire wristband that was a curved glass Here's the trick. No one is really telling, no one is talking about how this glass is made, right? The the key thing about this is that they have to mess with the properties of this glass to make it ultra thin, foldable, yet doesn't get damaged. Because up until now, the foldable devices that we have seen have all had this plastic surface that will get nicked, literally scratched instantly when something just brushes across it. So have, that's why... This is a flexible, bendable glass. This is just an amazing feat. Um, I looked it up, and Samsung looks like they're getting their glass from a Korean manufacturer called Duwoo Insys, but they aren't revealing the technology. No one should. Corning, which is responsible for making the Gorilla Glass on iPhones, has been working on their own bendable glass for electronic devices as well. But the key thing is that to get it thin enough to bend to be in a device is different than just... They can, everyone can really make bendable glass, but making bendable glass can fold like the Samsung Galaxy Z Flip. That's a different story. And the key thing is that it's not actually completely folding where, you know, it's folding like a piece of paper. It's actually still bowing and curved at the end, but it's just getting that bend radius, right? It's a tight bend radius that they have. So the answer to your question is that I don't know exactly how they do it. The companies won't reveal the properties that they do it, but this is a huge point of innovation where they can make it where this is a piece of glass and not plastic. And the Z Flip is amazing. I can't wait for the body, the actual physical body to get even thinner. Um, It's not super thick and chunky, but this is opening up a whole lot of possibilities for what devices can be. They don't even have to be foldable all the time. But there's a lot of utility in the fact that what if your phone eventually could be what it is, but half the size and fold in your pocket? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't wouldn't you take that? Like the Z Flip has a 6.7 inch screen, but when you fold it in half, it's like I don't know, it's like a four inch square basically. Wouldn't you want that? Some people are like, no, I don't care. I don't like the idea. Some people make a great point. I don't like the idea of opening up a phone every time, and also could it break over time with these flips? Well, 
Samsung says it's good for around 200,000 folds. I think I did an estimate that if you open your phone 50 times a day or so um, and folded it, it would take 13 years to get to 200,000 bends. So even if you do it 100 times a day, would someone... I don't know how many times you look at your phone a day. Do you look at your phone 100 times a day? Even at that, it'd be like seven years. You're gonna get a new phone by then anyway. So we the verdict is out of how durable this is, but looking at it, there is kind of like a little mini, it's not a hard line, but it is kind of a, a wavy crease at the joint because that's where the bend is, but it's not, it's, the screen looks so good, it doesn't distract me. You only really see it when you hold it in a, a bright lit area and you kind of hold it at that angle, but most of the time we're looking at it head on. So it it didn't disturb me, honestly. And again, love, love what I'm seeing. So Jalen, the answer is there's actually no official answer, but it is a fascinating, fascinating thing. All right, let's get to my man James from Virginia. BTZ, what's up, man? This is James from Virginia. This is what I want from Apple in 2020. Yo, AirTags, bring it on, but this is what I need, all right? I want them to find a way to put the AirTags inside of a, a case for your cell phone. Because guess what? Somebody steal your phone, right? Throw in the airplane mode, cut it off, whatever. You can't find your phone using FileMy. But if it's built into the case and they don't do anything to the case or throw the case away, boom, I'll be able to find my device because it's going <laughs> to ping off of other Apple products and let me know exactly where my phone is. So I don't even know if this is possible, but this is what I need in my life. What do you think? James, you're genius, man. So when I first listened to your call, I was saying to myself, but James, the AirTag chip, the U1 chip is inside your iPhone already. And then I'm like, oh, my man is talking about putting an AirTag in a third-party case for maybe older iPhones or other phones. Now, you, I was, my mind was like, dude, you're a genius. And this is really cool because the AirTag itself is going to be pretty small. It's not going to be some big old chunky thing. You could easily integrate it into a case. And how beautiful would that be to be able to find your other phone's because not everyone is going to buy the newest iPhone with the newest U1 chip that has the AirTag in it. James, I salute you, man. Apple engineers that are listening to the show just stole your million dollar idea. So you got we got to we got to say thank you, James. I, I'm just really sorry that you won't be able to cash in on that, though. Okay, that's that's what makes me very very sad. All right, next up we got Burham calling to us. Maybe a couple bad apples you want to talk about? Hey, Brian. It's Boron here from Melbourne. Um, hate to be a negative person, but I've got two bad apples for my first world problems. The first is with the AirPods Pro. Um, we've lost noise cancellation with that silent software update that came from December, and it's still not working. Um, now, I work in a busy office, and it's quite loud, and I would love to have noise cancellation so I could focus and get my work done. Um, I really need this. Any idea from your end on when you think the noise cancellation will come back to the AirPods Pro? Secondly, I just watched your video on the upcoming 2020 products, um, and I too have the same AirDrop issue as well. So even with my personal iPhone and my work iPhone, they don't even reach each other, even when they're next to each other as well. So I thought I'd just mention that to you as well. Keep up the great work, Brian. Love it. Thanks, mate. Burrow, mate. Okay. I put in my video and we haven't talked about this. Air, air, uh, air, airdrop is so much worse than it ever has been before. I don't know what specifically has been happening. Normally when my family and friends phones are near me, they show right up. They don't show right up anymore. They just don't. 
I don't know what's going on, but something has been tweaked in iOS 13 that has changed how efficient it is. I don't know if maybe they're waiting for some new code that's related to the U1 chip to really turn that on, or maybe the U1 chip, it's trying to ping people that way first, and it's delaying the actual other firms from showing up. But all I know is that AirDrop is a whole lot worse. So yeah, you're going to get a bad apple for that. Boo! It's trash. All right, last call today, my man, Peter Ponte. Yo, Brian Tong, what up? It's Peter Ponte calling in to uh, holla at you about the Apple TV app that just recently dropped on select LG TVs. I myself have the 2019 LG C9, 65 inch. So I hopped right on it, downloaded the app, installed it, signed in, and rather quickly came to the conclusion that not all content is the same. On the LG side of the Apple TV app and the Apple TV app on the Apple hardware itself. See, on the Apple hardware, some content that's Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos, it's good. It's there. You look at that same content on the Apple TV app on the LG TVs, you may get Dolby Vision but no Dolby Atmos. Or in some cases, you'll just get 4K with HDR10. So, I would like to hear your thoughts back on that. Maybe it's just a software patch update in the future. Because essentially, you're still renting and buying movies from Apple. So you would think it would be consistent across the platforms. Um... Hoping they jump to this. I'm not too worried as I do have an Apple TV 4K box, but, you know, options are good to have. Um, keep doing what you're doing. Show is great. Holla back. Okay, my man. Uh, Pete, I looked it up, and it was funny because the timing of your call, the day that you put in, I think you put it around like the – because we've been doing other shows when I've been gone around – the 5th or the 6th, there a report literally came out where LG came out to tell people that Dolby Atmos support for the recently released Apple TV app on select LG smart TVs is coming in a software update later this year. So specifically what you're talking about, the Dolby Atmos stuff not working. Um, I know you mentioned maybe the Dolby uh, Vision. I don't know if you said the Dolby Vision wasn't working, but at least according to a statement from LG, they will be updating it to make sure that it's working on their Apple TV app and accompanying Apple TV Plus content. Just want to let you know that. It's uh, coming soon. We don't know how soon, but it's coming soon. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week's With All the Calls. Remember to be a part of the show. Call an AppleBitsShow at gmail.com. Use the voice memo app. Send it right along. We got to give out some big thanks to my Patreon supporters, the Platinum Apples at the $100 level. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, and Calvin Fatakar. Thank you. Thank you so much for your support. And everyone that continues to support this show, remember, patreon.com slash Tong starting at $2 is the way you can support the show. And boom, 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 completely ad-free version of the show. So that's going to do it for this week. We will have another show, same rough time, same bat channel. But thanks so much. Take care, everybody. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. We'll talk to you soon.
Peace. Peace.